Welcome, everyone, to the Fantasy Fessionals Football Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined via Zoom, as always, by my co-host and good friend, the Fantasy Fessional himself, Mr. Jeremy Butterball Van Curen. Butterball, it's cold out there, bud, but how you doing this evening? Man, it is cold. That is very, very, very true, but I'm doing great, brother. I'm doing great. Well, it's good to hear you out there on the interwebs. You sound good. You look good. Obviously, you know, road, road conditions are kind of bad here in Oklahoma City, and so we didn't really want to risk it, and so we're doing it uh, via the interwebs uh, tonight. And uh, and so looking forward to talking uh, all kinds of NFL action, fantasy football action, Butter. Obviously, this is our Super Bowl recap. Again, kind of one of those uh, bittersweet, uh, somewhat uh, depressing weeks because it's the longest period of time before we're going to have football action again. But uh, we're going to get you through it, and we're going to talk through it, and we're going to recap the Super Bowl. And talk about you, my friend. I mean, you cleaned up uh, yet, yet again. So uh, you uh, you had the bucks. You were all over it. You called it. And uh, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to kind of beat on your chest here in a little bit, my friend. But before we get to it, Butter, as always, we've got to show some love to our sponsor and our favorite sports bar. And, of course, that's Chalk Sports Bar. Now, everybody knows about Chalk, uh, 1324 West Memorial Road, Chisholm Creek Plaza, Ben Chad, the whole Chalk team. You can follow them on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at ChalkOKC. Now, we've got a contest going with one of our sister pods, obviously our man Jay Till, the You're Still Out Golf Podcast. You know, it's going to be a tough week to do it this week, Butter. There's no doubt about it. But it is uh, Eat More Chalk, Play More Golf, the, uh, the contest giveaway that we have with regards to go out, play a round of golf, Drop off your scorecard, write uh, Sports Pros Network, YSO, something to let your your server know that you're a friend of the pod. Turn that in. You'll get half off your burger or sandwich, and we're going to take those scorecards, and we're going to put them into a drawing all the way up to March 31st, and it's unlimited entry. You can, you can enter as many times as you want, but the winner on that drawing on March 31st will get a table for four and 200 bucks towards their tab on Master Sunday at Chalk. So we're pretty excited about that. Nice. And, um, yeah, get more giveaways, more fun stuff that we're going to be doing with the Chalk guys in the weeks and months to come. So looking forward to that. And uh, always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. The best damn sports bar, period. Well, brother, let's get into it. We have to recap Super Bowl 55, what I've got on the big board is subpar Bowl 55. It ends up being a stinker of a game, but you can't really blame the Tampa Bay Bucks for it. I mean, my goodness, Butter, that defense played outstanding. Tom Brady did exactly what he always does. He was super efficient. He had the killer instinct, you know, adding that touchdown, you know, literally in the dying seconds of the second quarter right before the half, really kind of put the game away. But just give me your overall impression and thoughts on the game. Again, I know you had the Bucks, so kudos to you on that. But, you know, your takeaways from Super Bowl 55 and your overall thoughts on the game, bud. Well, man, I mean, like one of the things that I that I figured, I figured to be a lot more scoring. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, I'm in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, um, they scored 31 points, but I, I figured that uh, I, I liked the over in this game, and I thought that uh, the Kansas City Chiefs would score quite a bit more points. But you know, I mean, the the Tampa Bay defense. I mean, they kind of kept they kept Patrick Mahomes and they kept that high powered uh, Kansas City offense in check. You know, I mean. Um, they held him to nine points, which, you know, I mean, um, Tom Brady, I mean, he looked really, 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 really good. I mean, he was pretty much able to um, to do kind of whatever he wanted, you know. I mean, and he had quite a few uh, – I think he had two touchdowns to, to Gronkowski. So, I mean, that – I mean, that's – that's you know, I mean, uh, you think about 
the Buccaneers, but I mean, that's something that's been going on with, uh, with him and Gronk with the Patriots, you know? So, I mean, um, I thought that, I mean, as far as my concern, I mean, I, I thought that the, the Buccaneers, I mean, I'm glad that the Buccaneers won. Like I said, I, I, um, I had a vested interest in it. Um, but as far as, uh, but as far as like the chiefs, you know, I mean, uh, I think I came away from that game. I mean, kind of disappointed in them because um, I thought that uh, it was going to be a lot more high scoring. Um, I thought Patrick Mahomes would um, would play would play a lot better as well. Which I mean, he was very, very, very off. You know, I mean, and one of the things um, that I look back on that game was one thing with Brady in the playoffs. You know, I mean. Um, Coming up to this game, I mean, uh, you think back to the NFC Championship. I mean, he he turned the ball over two or three times. I mean, he he was uh, kind of plagued by turnovers uh, throughout the playoffs, you know. And he obviously uh, fixed that during the Super Bowl, and um, it really showed. Yeah, he didn't really have to do anything but turn around and hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette or Ronald Johnson throughout the entirety of the fourth quarter. I mean, they had a couple of passes mixed in there, and a couple of them actually went deep, which was kind of kind of surprised me because the game was well in hand, and they ended up being incompletions. It was all said and done. But, uh, yeah, his his job was kind of done at the end of the third quarter. I mean, they had that right. game well in hand. But, you know, Butter, I, I have to get your thoughts. You know, we think about Todd Bowles defensive coordinator of, of Tampa Bay, known for one of those guys to be super aggressive on defense, you know, blitz packages and all kinds of creativity from that standpoint. You know, the stats that came back, you know, according to the NFL Next Gen stats, they only blitzed on 9% of the dropbacks for Mahomes. And, and kind of coincidentally to that, the Chiefs, you know, did, did essentially did a, a five-lineman protection, i.e. No one, no one stayed in to help block. You know, all five receivers went out into the route 92% of the time. And, and really, that was the story of the game for me, Butter, is that the forefront or the front four of Tampa Bay were able to whip the five offensive linemen for the Chiefs mm-hmm. and just get constant pressure on Mahomes. I mean, it really started with the first drive of the game, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, and and, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I really don't want to take away from the, the Bucks the Bucks performance because I thought the Bucks performance on defense for sure – I mean that they got after Patrick Mahomes, but then again, I mean, like the Chiefs, I mean, they had some some key offensive linemen out, and um, I mean, like I said, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, just did not it could not could not get in any type of rhythm, and that's due to the Buccaneers' defense, and it's also due to the injuries that they had on the offensive line. But you know, I mean. Um, in the NFL and in college football, whenever somebody gets injured, I mean, these guys are professionals, you know, I mean, it's next man up. Um, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. Kansas city did have some injuries, but man, you, you cannot take away from how good that Buccaneers defense was and how dominated it was in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think that's from a betting standpoint, but obviously I had the chiefs in the over, so I was dead wrong. You could, I couldn't have been more wrong with how, how the game, how the game played out. Now I, I, I will say that the only thing I got right butter was that I had the bucks. I had a couple of different prop bets for scoring, you know, picking the final score of the game. And I did hit on the bucks scoring uh, 31 points. And I think that paid out like 16 to one. So that was that in my Travis Kelsey uh, over on the props uh, for receptions and yardage was the only two things that saved it from being a complete disaster for me Sunday. Sunday night. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that from a betting standpoint, you know, underestimating the, the impact that losing Fisher 
uh, in the AFC Championship game, the offensive lineman for the Chiefs, you know, I, that, that really kind of caused a reshuffle throughout the whole Chiefs line, right, because they had to mm-hmm. you know, take the right tackle, move him over to left, you know, have to bump another guy from guard out to tackle and then bring it back, you know, so it really had a domino effect uh, that you thought that, you know, for two weeks to kind of get ready and practice and, 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 you know, get those guys ready to go, that that they should have been ready. But, man, I, I totally underestimated the impact that that would have. And, and kudos to that uh, that buck front four. You know, and I guess let's, you know, transitioning into it, you know, Tom Brady wins his fifth Super Bowl MVP, obviously the most by any any player. Uh, he's, he's got a lot of superlatives after this. He had a bunch of them to begin with, but he's got even more now. You know, I really thought, you know, the Buck defense, and again, I don't know who you would pick because it was kind of a total team effort, but, you know, I thought that somebody maybe from the Bucks defense should have been the MVP whenever it was all said and done, but understandable as to why, why they would give it to Brady. He was super efficient. Again, not a ton of yards, but three touchdowns, no interceptions. You know, his his QB rating was like 135 or something like that, so he was, he was damn near perfect, and again, he just didn't have to do a whole lot in the second half because they got out to such a big lead, right? Right. And, and another thing as well, like uh, from a, from a betting standpoint, what I probably should have done, which I've, I've made the mistake of, um, of not hedging my bet in the AFC championship game, which is probably where I should have hedged it. Um, and, 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 and still hedged it on the Super Bowl as well. But like I said, I mean, I lost that bet, but I mean, um, like I said, I, I know whenever I made my, my bet for Tampa Bay, I mean, it was, um, plus 750. So, I mean, uh, I did all right on that one, but yeah, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, uh, Tom Brady, you know, I mean, uh, who, who knows how much longer he can play, but you know, I mean, he, he looked really, really, really good and really, really, really sound. And, uh, you know, I mean, and that offense with, with Byron left, which, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, who knows, like, that guy is going to get a, a big name job eventually. I mean, uh, he's done well with, uh, with, with Tom Brady down there. I mean, it was, it was Tom Brady's first year uh, down there under Byron left, which, and you know I mean? They brought in Robert Gronkowski. They brought in Antonio Brown. Uh, they, they just have a lot of playmakers and, you know I mean? Hopefully um, they can resign all those guys and keep that, those guys together. Because like I said, I mean, that, uh, to me, that was one of those teams that that started out kind of slow, but uh, they obviously got better and better as the year went on. No, you're right. They they peaked at the right time, which is always what we think of and always what you want to see. And, and again, you think about you know their pathway to the Super Bowl, butter. You know they were on the road all three all three playoff games really. Uh, and then, you know, kind of coincidentally or weird enough that they get the Super Bowl as a home game, which, you know, all that story had been talked about, about being the first team to ever host the Super Bowl. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they they really went on the road and, and kind of, uh, you know, made their own path. And it was because they were peaking at the right time, you know, late November, early December, you know, going through January is when you kind of want to start gelling together as a team. And they they timed it perfectly. And so, yeah, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason. You know, you think about guys – you know, I saw a report today, you know, Bruce Arians had a quote about Chris Godwin saying, hey, he's not going anywhere. We're going to get this figured out from a free agency standpoint. You think about guys like Leonard Fournette, who, you know, was on the cusp of maybe, you know, being out of the league, Butter. So, you know, his his time in Jacksonville, 
you know, went went so poorly, and that that relationship broke so bad at the end that you know he was borderline deemed a bust. You know, certainly given how high he was picked uh, by the Jags uh, out of LSU a few years ago. But you want to talk about a guy that's made himself some money here during the second half of this season, and certainly with that Super Bowl performance. I mean, Leonard Fournette showed that he still got uh, got the goods. He still got a lot of gas in the tank. And you know, I don't know if the Bucks are going to be able to to afford him, right? Cause he could probably go out and get a get a big time contract now, if I had to guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. I mean, um, you know, I mean, his time in uh, in Jacksonville, which you know, I mean, we we kind of talked about that all year long. Um, you know, I mean, three or four years ago, those guys were um, were in the AFC Championship game and had a chance to make it to the Super Bowl and actually uh, were leading. A Patriots team led by Tom Brady going into the fourth quarter and ended up losing the ball game. And from that point on, uh, you know, I mean, they've went through uh, quarterbacks. They've went through running backs. I mean, like, um, I, I, I want to say, like, we had talked about it earlier uh, in the year that, like, uh, they've had their last five or six uh, first-round draft picks. I mean, none of them are, are even with them anymore. So, I mean – that that team has definitely uh, has definitely fell on bad times, and um, you know, I mean, and and now, I mean, it's good for uh, Fournette to come in, and I mean, I'm sure that like the the money that uh, he was making for the the Buccaneers, I mean, I'm sure it was probably less than what he's worth now for sure, because now, I mean, like you said, I mean, I think with the way he played this year, I mean, uh, he's put himself, um, back, back on the map where, I mean, he should be able to get a good deal. I mean, if he wanted to leave, uh, the Buccaneers, but I would assume that they're going to try to try to bring him back because, uh, man, I mean, like I said, I mean, he's still a strong, 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 strong runner. But one of the things that I was, uh, I was wondering about, you know, I mean, when is the last time, that the Kansas city chiefs did not score a, a touchdown in the Patrick Mahomes error. I don't know if it's ever happened uh, in the Mahomes era, right? You think about the last two or three years, I, I I'm sure, you know, we, we could probably dig into that stat, but I, I know the odds going into the, before the game, butter, you know, and, and I saw that some betters kind of cashed this ticket is that, you know, you could have, I don't know, it was like 18 to one or 20 to one, something like that, that the, the, the chiefs wouldn't score a touchdown and I would have thought that the odds on that would have been way higher. It'd been like fifty to one. It's like there's absolutely no way the Chiefs are not going to score a touchdown in this game. And then, damn, you know, I'll, it happened, right? So you've been eighteen to twenty, yeah. twenty, twenty-one to odds. I mean, that that's pretty crazy, right there. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I just uh, props to the the Buccaneers for for keeping that for keeping Patrick Mahomes and keeping the high-powered Chiefs offense. I mean, in check, and I mean. Um, that, I mean, kudos to those guys. I mean, uh, that's just a great defensive performance. I agree. They got it done. So they they were really, really uh, the story of the game, I thought. But, you know, one of the, the side stories of the game, Butter, at least a lot of people were talking about it on Twitter and social media and the day after, the officiating, right? So obviously if you're a Chiefs fan, you might have felt a little aggrieved uh, with some of the officiating and the calls in the first half. In the second half, not so much, right? So there wasn't as many flags and penalties called. But, again, the game was solidly in hand for the Bucks at that point. But, you know, your thoughts on some of those penalties uh, in the first half, but are in particular kind of leading into that that last drive of the second quarter to where the Bucks scored that touchdown to go up 21-6. But I don't know. My, my opinion is that those those were those were pass interference. I, I, don't, I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, maybe you have a different perspective. But, but your thoughts on the officiating? 
Man, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> obviously if, if the game was a, a lot closer, I mean, uh, then, then I would say maybe the officiating had something to do with it. But, you know, I mean, um, it's in the NFL, uh, the Super Bowl, in any game, um, it's kind of one of those things, you know, I mean, like uh, you could call holding every, every time, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, um, some of those penalties, I mean, we're actually we're past interference, and they should have been called. <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought the Chiefs DBs were were a little aggressive. Uh, that that's certainly the case, uh, or certainly certainly the way that they, they it played out when it was all said and done. But uh, yeah, I I didn't think that there was a whole lot of those that were were too uh, too sketchy. Now I know some people were saying some of them might have been uncatchable, right? So hey, the ball was you know clearly over his head or what have you. But it's like, well, I mean. You, know, you don't know how a guy's going to lay out, right? So if he doesn't get pass interfered with, he might be able to make a dive and maybe maybe gets fingertips on it, gets hands on it, whatever. You know, I don't, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the Chiefs, that, that didn't have any impact on the game, I don't think, not from an outcome standpoint. I think the Bucks were going to win uh, with the way that the, uh, the cards kind of fell on Sunday night. And, uh, yeah, just one of those footnotes uh, that will always be remembered by the losing side. But uh, nobody else will probably remember it 5, 10, 15 years from now. So. Well, yeah, I mean, and like I said, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that that definitely um, affected the outcome of the game. I mean, uh, the the referees, uh, I thought that they called a pretty fair game. You know, I mean, uh, everybody in any game, you know, I mean, you if you lose, you wish the officiating was uh, was better. But you know, I mean, I don't think that that really had much of a uh, if it figured into the outcome of the game, they officiated, and I don't think it did. <laughs> nope, I agree totally. So, well, well, Butter, I know you and I were tuning in and watching the game on Sunday night, but, you know, the TV ratings came out on Tuesday, and, and I was surprised because the TV ratings were, were low, and, it, and essentially it was the lowest uh, or, or smallest television audience, I, su- I should say, for a Super Bowl. Since 2006, you know, roughly 91 and a half, 92 million people watched it on television there on CBS. You know, another 5 million or so, I think, uh, uh, watched it from a streaming standpoint. And so it was the most live uh, um, uh, streamed NFL game, and that was up 65% from last year's Super Bowl, which maybe isn't all that surprising with the way that people kind of consume media now, right? A lot of people kind of have their the Netflixes and the Hulus and all these other kind of streaming things that are out there. So watching the, uh, the game over the Internet shouldn't be that surprising, but... You know, going into the game, Butter, you know, it had all the makings of, of really being one of the most watched Super Bowls of all time. You had Tom Brady, you had Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. right? You had these two great teams going at it. Uh, you, you had, you know, the, the, it was cold weather across, you know, big parts of the country, right? We think about here and then obviously going into the Midwest and to the Northeast. Um, so people were going to be staying inside. You know, you have the whole pandemic and COVID thing going on to where, hey, you can't really go out and do anything. You might as well stay at home and watch the game, right? But I was surprised to see these ratings and that it, it's it's been, you know, it's again one of the lowest rated Super Bowls in almost 15 years. Your thoughts on that, bud? Yeah, I mean, I, I was really, really surprised that it was as down as much as it was. I mean, just like you said, I mean, uh, more people are staying home, you know. I mean, so they have obviously have to have something to watch. And, you know, I mean, another thing, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, with the, the epidemic and the way that um, – the way that football and the way that uh, – social gatherings are right now. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that this is probably the least amount of people that's ever attended the Super Bowl as well. I mean, unless you think back, uh, God, I mean, back, back in the, uh, maybe the forties or the fifties, you know, or, uh, back in the, back in the day, um, 
but yeah, I mean, I was very surprised that, um, that it was down so much, you know? So. Yeah, it, it is kind of interesting and, and maybe not surprisingly, the best ratings came from Kansas city, right? You think about local TV markets, uh, mm-hmm. had a, uh, a 59.5 rating and then, uh, Boston, was actually in second with a 57 rating. So, you know, obviously a lot of uh, Patriots fans probably interested in uh, seeing how Tom Brady and, and Gronk probably too, uh, to a lesser degree as well, uh, as to how those guys would play out. And uh, and obviously it turned out really well for them. But I thought that that was kind of an interesting note there that uh, uh, Kansas City, not shocking, obviously, uh, but uh, Boston was actually number two ahead of number three, which was Tampa Bay, of course, at a 52.3 on the TV rating. So, yeah, kind of interesting there. But, you know, we talked about this, what, a month or so, so ago, butter uh, the national, the BCS uh, or not BCS, the college football playoff national championship. I'm I'm getting in the way back machine there with BCS, but uh, <laughs> you know the TV ratings for Alabama and Ohio State were really really low as well. I think it was the worst national championship TV rating since the playoff era began. And we were kind of speculating about some of the reasons there, right? Hey, college football was kind of weird this year. The whole thing about you know Ohio State getting in the playoff, they only played six games, blah blah blah. Maybe a lot of folks were. Uh, lost interest uh, from a mainstream fan standpoint. Obviously, you and I watched e- each and every week, as we always do. But, you know, maybe some other people had Alabama fatigue, right? Tired of seeing the same old teams in the Final Four and the playoff and the national championship. But, you know, maybe there's something to it, right? So it seems to have extended over to the Super Bowl. And so, you know, from an NFL perspective, and probably from a sponsorship standpoint, you know, it's going to be something that they're going to be looking at and probably hoping and praying that things get back to normal uh, whenever, you know, Labor Day rolls around in September, right? I mean, you got to think, you know, I mean, um, the national championship and the Super Bowl, I mean, obviously, I mean, those are huge marketing um, tools for for different, different companies and different businesses. So, I mean, at some point in time, um, the NFL and the people that are doing uh, the commercials and stuff, they're going to have to figure out why the numbers are down and figure out uh, how to reach more people. And, uh, you know, I mean, whether it's the pandemic or whatever it is, I mean, that's something that they're probably going to end up having to fix and fix it probably by next year. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Cause that's uh, that, that equates to money. And uh, whenever it starts messing with the pocketbook, you can assure that they're going to start uh, twisting knobs and uh, uh, trying to find out uh, how to, how to find the right mix to get viewership back up. So, well, well, butter, you know, we talked about, you know, Patrick Mahomes, right. He was running for his life uh, all game against that, uh, that buck front four. And uh, they were getting after him and, uh, kind of forced him out of the pocket, sacks, incomplete passes, the whole nine yards. But it was kind of surprising maybe that Mahomes moved so well because we knew coming into it, right, he had in the AFC Championship game, and I think even in the divisional round against the Browns, right, he had the turf toe problem, right? We knew he wouldn't 100%. It was kind of a pain tolerance thing. You know, didn't necessarily affect him to the point to where he couldn't step into throws and things of that nature. But he was running all over the place. But the news broke, you know, on Tuesday that he was going to have surgery for that turf toe injury that kind of bothered him so much throughout the playoffs. But, you know, your thoughts on this, I mean, the assumption is that he's going to come back 100% whenever the season starts, but you know, the expect expectations that he's going to miss most of the off season work with the team, but he's going to be ready to go by training camp. You know, that, that seems like a lengthier recovery time for a turf toe thing. Now this coming from a guy who's not a doctor and who's never had turf toe, uh, but your thoughts on this, anything to worry about from a chiefs fan perspective here? Well, I mean, I remember whenever he got hurt, I mean, it was against the Browns. And um, if you if you recall, I mean, like he ended up uh, missing pretty much the whole second half of that ball game. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's something that 
has lingered on since the second round of the playoffs. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm not a doctor either, but, you know, I mean, whenever you think of, of turf toe, I mean, usually, I mean, most most guys miss a couple weeks, you know. I mean, um, so, I mean, obviously, um, they don't – maybe it's worse off than what everybody thought. I mean, uh, but I don't know. I mean, like, uh, to me, I mean, this looks more like, like an ACL or something like that. I mean, that's like uh, – that's the kind of uh, treatment that it sounds like. But like I said, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to to have surgery on turf toe and then how, how long it takes to recover. But, man, I mean, it's uh, – if he's going to miss all of the off season, I mean, and who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope that uh, – I hope that it's not something more serious than just turf toe. Um, and I, I mean, I hope he makes a full recovery because like I said, I mean, I think the chiefs obviously with him, with him coming back at a hundred percent, I mean, obviously, I mean, they, um, definitely have a, a shot next year to, to, to continue to, 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 to be successful, go to the, go to the, go to the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. I mean, as long as, uh, the, the chiefs can keep that team intact, I mean, and keep, Mahomes healthy. I mean, they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC for years to come. No, I agree. And you know, the guys that have had turf toe injuries in the past, they say it's one of the more painful things that you can have. Just kind of one of those nagging, constant things. You know, essentially every time you take a step, you know, obviously you're in pain there. So, uh, you know, again, hopefully he's going to come back and be just fine. As you mentioned, that you know maybe it's it's not nearly as bad as what it seems. Maybe they're just being super cautious to say, hey, look, there's really no reason for you uh, to kind of come back until training camp begins. So maybe he's just getting an extended uh, off season there. Obviously, I know he and his fiance right, they got a baby girl on the way. I think so. Maybe to be able to to take a little extra time and uh, and enjoy that new baby as well. So, but uh, now, now speaking of quarterbacks that are going to have off season surgery, right? The news broke earlier today as well that Tom Brady. Uh, the Super Bowl MVP, he's going to have a minor knee surgery during offseason. Not a lot of details there. Sounds like it's going to be arthroscopic to a certain extent to kind of clean some stuff up probably. Again, he's he's damn near 45 years old, right? So maybe not that yeah. shocking that uh, that TB12's going to have to go in and get a little maintenance done in the offseason, right, Butter? No, I mean, obviously, I mean, he's getting up there in age. So, I mean, um, I'm, not, I'm not shocked that um, he's going to have to have – a knee or something cleaned up. So, I mean, um, obviously whatever keeps him healthy and what, uh, keeps him going for another year. I mean, obviously that's probably what he needs to do. Yeah. You think back to, you know, what, 13, 14 years ago, butter that very first game. And I think it was against the chiefs, right. To where he took a, took a shot to the knee and had that torn ACL and was out the whole season. And that was, mm-hmm. you know, the year that the, uh, the Patriots still, I think they went 11 and five and they missed the playoffs, right. When they had the, uh, the backup kid from USC kind of come in and uh, Matt Castle. yeah, yeah. Matt Castle. Right. And they, you know, it was one of those things to where everybody really started singing the praises of Bill Belichick after that saying, Hey, look, they bring in this backup and they still go 11 and five. But you know, uh, again, I, we won't get into the storyline between Brady and Belichick and, who's really kind of pulling the strings there. But uh, uh, that that's definitely a storyline that's been played out uh, quite a bit here over the last uh, a few weeks and, and few months. But uh, uh, maybe, you know, relates back to something along those lines whenever he did have that ACL uh, tear in surgery uh, uh, such a long time ago. So, well, well, Butter, you know, one of the other things that, that popped up from a news story this week, and we're kind of going through a grab bag of NFL news uh, because obviously the season's over with now, and that's kind of what, what there's left to do. Urban Meyer, 
We know that he's the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's getting paid a healthy sum to do so. You know, news stories broke today that he has made a hire, somewhat controversial hire, of Chris Doyle. Now, Chris Doyle, for our listeners who may not recall, was the strength and conditioning coach at the University of Iowa, who uh, last summer, right, we think about, you know, that period of time where, you know, social injustice and all the other uh, movements and things that were kind of going along with those lines, he really kind of got called out for making racist remarks, you know, bullying players, and really kind of setting a somewhat toxic atmosphere there in the uh, University of Iowa Hawkeye weight room. He was let go by Iowa under, you know, some pretty contentious uh, um, uh, allegations and and kind of an ugly scene there. He's hired on to join the Jacksonville Jaguars staff now. Urban Meyer saying, hey, look, I've done my due diligence. I've dug into it. I I know what to expect from this guy. And and I think their paths had crossed in the past whenever Urban Meyer was at Utah, I think a head coach at the University of Utah. But, you know, your thoughts on this, Butter, uh, you know, seems to be kind of a a, a risky open, one of the first few moves that Urban Meyer's making uh, as his new uh, tenure uh, of the, uh, uh, as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everybody's going to be critical of this hire uh, just just because uh, of, like, how his uh, his career ended at, at the University of Iowa. But, you know, I mean, like, uh, like you said, I mean, obviously Myers came out and said that he's done his due diligence and he's, uh, he's had some conversations with him and spoke to him. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure during the interview process, I mean, I, I know that this probably came up. You know, I mean, the relationship goes back 20 years. Um, you know, I mean, the guy, the guy made a mistake, and um, obviously, like uh, he lost his job. And um, but I'm, and I'm not saying that what he did and what happened was right. Um, and you know, I mean, I don't, I wasn't there. I mean, I don't know exactly what all was said and um, how hard he was on his on his players. But I mean, I do know, I do remember. Um, hearing about it but you know i mean it's one of those things i mean everybody deserves a second chance and so what what i'm hoping is with this hire that um if the stuff that he did do uh, that 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 they say he did if it is true that obviously i mean it's something that he learns from his mistake i mean obviously he needs to um hopefully he's came to the realization that, you know, I mean, uh, some of the stuff that he did back then, if he did do it, that he can't do, he can't do that here and he can't, uh, get away with that. So, I mean, um, like I said, I think everybody deserves a second chance. I mean, people do make mistakes and, um, you know, I mean, uh, hopefully that with this hire, it works out for him. I mean, obviously he's a really, really good coach. Um, I mean, he, he coached for Kirk uh, Ferentz up at Iowa. And um, so, I mean, like I said, everybody deserves a second chance. Yeah, I, th- I don't think there's any question as to his bona fides from a strength and conditioning standpoint and kind of creating a strength program in a, within a football program. Uh, his, his resume kind of speaks for itself there. And obviously, University of Iowa, you know, put a lot of guys into the NFL during he and Kirk Ferentz's tenure, which, you know, maybe not the, the four- and five-star recruits that you think about, you know, Alabama's and Ohio State's and OU's uh, kind of getting year in and year out. They were doing it with, you know, three-star guys, maybe guys that were a little further down the food chain from a recruiting standpoint. And, and it you know, tends to show their ability to develop guys once they get them into the program. And so, you know, but uh, it will, 
obviously be uh, uh, scrutinized heavily uh, in the uh, weeks and months to come. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, you hope that, as you mentioned, a guy's learned his lesson. You can kind of move on. Hey, look, uh, maybe what I was doing in the past, it's not really the, the right environment to, to do and say and kind of kind of you know treat guys uh, the same way uh, as maybe, you know, you think about the bullying and some of those other things. Obviously, the, the, the racial, racial side of it, uh, that's not, you know, acceptable at any given point in time. But you think about, you know, motivating guys and maybe saying some things that uh, um, may have been okay 20 or 30 years ago certainly not okay uh in this environment now so but uh, yeah we'll keep an eye on it it's going to be interesting uh, to see but uh, urban meyer he he says he's done his due diligence so we'll uh, we'll have to take his word for it for now but you know one last story butter and again this one's kind of a sad one here from the uh, the world of the nfl uh uh marty schottenheimer uh, former head coach for multiple teams in the NFL, I think stints with the Browns, Chiefs, uh, the Washington football team, and the Chargers, you know, passes away at 77. You know, we, we'd heard news reports here over the last couple of weeks that he wasn't doing too good. You know, I think uh, uh, complications from dementia and some other things, you know, really uh, uh, he kind of went downhill pretty quickly, I think, there towards the end. But, you know, a super successful head coach in the NFL was around for a long time. had had a had a decent record when it was all said and done. You know, unfortunately, I think oftentimes people think of Marty Schottenheimer and think about you know the the losses in the playoffs, right? So kind of things that happened in January. Even whenever he had really really good teams, you think about some of those Chargers teams in the past. I think they may have had home field advantage a couple of times and weren't weren't able to get over the hump uh, during his tenure there. But uh, you know, your thoughts on this story? And again, you know, a guy that that was around the NFL for a long time and had a really, really, you know, successful career in the grand scheme of things, but was just never able uh, to get to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, like he he had some really uh, some really good football teams in Kansas City and um, in San Diego, and I mean, he's probably going to go down as one of those coaches that uh, that has a, a lot of wins that was very, very successful during the regular season, but just. Uh, did not have any uh, very much success in the playoffs. Um, like he's, I guarantee he's the top ten in uh, NF, in NFL wins in his um, his career. But like I said, you know, I mean, um, one of the things in the NFL, like if uh, if you can't make it to the playoffs and win, I mean, five or six years you're gone. You know, so I mean, um, that's kind of the. I, I'm surprised that he coached uh, at Kansas City as long as he did. I mean, he was there for nine or ten years. You know, I mean, and this this day of age in the NFL, I mean, you'd probably be gone after five or six years. So I mean, uh, and that just kind of kind of shows you like how much the the game has changed from whenever he was a Kansas city coach the first time or whenever he was a Kansas city coach back in the eighties the and the nineties. I mean, he, he actually had a, had a really good quarterback by the way, by the name of Joe Montana back in those days. So, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's a sad story. I mean, uh, had dementia, I think, uh, last week before he passed away. I mean, they said something about bringing hospice and stuff in. So, I mean, uh, that, that kind of, um, you kind of knew something was fixing to happen. So, yeah, again, kind of, kind of a, a sad, sad passing there. But uh, you know, I will say, Butter, his overall record—he went two hundred, had two hundred victories, one hundred twenty-six losses in the in the one tie. 
He is one of only, or I think he's the eighth winningest coach in NFL history and one of only seven coaches with 200 regular season wins in the NFL. Let me give you this list. The guys ahead of him, Don Shula, George Hallis, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, Curly Lambeau, and Andy Reid. All of those guys you would assume are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Most of those guys are. Bill Belichick and Andy Reid obviously still coaching currently right now, so they're not in the Hall of Fame, but they will be. You know, I'll ask you the question. Marty Schottenheimer, is he a Hall of Famer? Man, I would have to say yes. I mean, um, even though he does not have the Super Bowls and the playoff wins, I mean, um, obviously, I mean, uh, you look back at his record, I mean, he was 44 and 27 with the Cleveland Browns. So, I mean, definitely, uh, if you look at winning percentage with the Cleveland Browns, I guarantee you that's probably number one. Yeah, um, that, that late that, 80s uh, era uh, Browns, you know, one of the most successful tenures of, of that franchise's history there, right? So, you think about it from yeah. a modern standpoint anyways, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, like I said, I mean uh, – He's just kind of one of those guys that uh, has success during the regular season, and they could just never get over the hump. Um, you know, I mean, but you think back to think back to the '90s. I mean, uh, the nemesis of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, was the Buffalo Bills. Um, you think back whenever he was uh, was in Washington, the nemesis was uh, the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. And then uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, whenever they had Donovan McNabb. So, I mean, um, it's just kind of one of those things, you know, I mean, uh, some of the teams um, that he was coaching against, you know, I mean, just had a little bit, uh, the coaches had a little bit better records and just uh, they could win in the playoffs. But like I said, you know, I mean, he was definitely a great, great uh, coach in the regular season for sure. I mean, uh, and, his record speaks for itself. Absolutely. I agree. So I think he is. He's right there on the border uh, of, uh, of the Hall of Fame, I think. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the voting transpires here over the uh, uh, the next couple of years and stuff. So, but, uh, yeah, I think he, he's right there on the uh, the doorstep for sure with that longevity uh, in, in with, again, kind of a, a serial winner in the regular season but could just never kind of get over the hump, as you say, uh, for the big one there uh, for the Super Bowl. But, yeah, uh, condolences to his family and uh, RIP uh, Coach uh, Schottenheimer. So, well, well, Butter, obviously there's no game uh, to preview this week. Uh, well, I, we'll say before we get to that, Butter, I, I want to take a look at our, our fantasy, our playoff fantasy standings, my friend. So uh, before we kind of move or, or kind of put a cap or put a button on this season and move on to start looking ahead to 2021, we have to kind of uh, uh, finalize our playoff fantasy standings here and despite you kicking my butt from a pick standpoint uh, throughout most of the season and then obviously uh, being on the right side with the Bucks in the Super Bowl I held on for a narrow close win from a fantasy perspective 309 to 301 uh, again you know Tom you you your final guys there and Tom Brady Mike Evans and Travis Kelsey, you had me sweating there. I had a little bit of a lead, but uh, I was able to do just enough with Patrick Mahomes, Ronald Jones, 
uh, Tyreek Hill, and then really the guy who won it for me was the kicker, Harrison Harrison Butker, Harrison yeah, Butker, Harrison right? Butker. Yeah, he had a had a couple of long field goals there. I mean, really, you know, obviously had the only only points for the Chiefs the whole night in those three field goals, but a couple of long ones there that gave me a couple extra points there, and it was just enough to hold on and uh, and beat you in the playoff fantasy uh, season that we had here. But again, I think I think I gotta you know uh, give give you credit. I think you were probably the overall winner from a pick'em standpoint, both in NFL and uh, college as well. You definitely kicked my butt in college there was no doubt about that yeah i mean um i think you had four people going in the super bowl and i think i had three i believe and um i had uh, i never did say this but i figured it might come down to the kicker <laughs> it did it did so it always pays to have a good kicker right we, and we said it all season long butter and we'll continue to say it next uh, next season as well hey kickers are people too we love kickers around here from a fantasy standpoint yeah you hear a lot of guys from fantasy football saying ah kickers just get them out right they don't really matter you don't want to add it in there it's like hey they can be the difference uh, in a championship so you got to have a good kicker from a fantasy perspective and so yeah kudos to harrison butker for allowing me to hold on for a narrow victory over you uh, from a fantasy playoff standpoint bud so yeah, for sure. Next year, I, I, I like the way that we did like our playoff deal. I think that uh, we definitely need to keep that for next year. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I think we'll keep that. That was that was kind of a fun way to keep us engaged throughout the playoffs. Uh, so we'll we'll do that again. But well, well, while we turn the page on the 2020 NFL season, butter, and again, what a weird season it was. You know, the inevitable question goes to, well, who's going to win Super Bowl 56? Who's going to be the team next year? And so, you know, we, we're going to look at some odds here, going to look at some some rankings and some notes and some things along those lines, butter. But, you know, I've got them up here. Not surprisingly, perhaps, the Kansas City Chiefs are the favorite at 11-2 to from an odd standpoint, followed by the Green Bay Packers at 9-1. to the Tampa Bay Bucks are at 11-1, and then you have the Ravens and Bills at 12-1, followed by the Rams in uh, 49ers at 13-1 and 14-1, respectively. From a value standpoint, Butter, do any of these Super Bowl 56 odds kind of jump out to you? And knowing that you like to put a few shekels on NFL action, just like I do, just like our man Chad Ford does uh, from, from the, uh, the, the Chalk Sports Bar family, you know, what stands out to you from a value standpoint? If you had to go place a couple shekels on a team right here today, who would it be and why? Man, obviously, um, I think the most intriguing one uh, definitely has to be uh, the Bills and the Rams. Um, and the reason I say the reason I say the Bills, uh, you know, I mean, they were so close uh, with Josh Allen. Uh, and like I said, the Bills' defense is 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 pretty 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 salty as well. Uh, I think that if they can get, um, you know, like a, a, a another playmaker, whether it be um, a wide receiver or uh, a running back, like I said, I think uh, one of the problems with the Bills this year is like uh, they really didn't have like uh, they had so many injuries on their their running back uh, position. I mean, they had Zach Moss, Singletary. If they could get a dominant running back, I mean, or just another playmaker, I think that they're definitely going to be in the mix. Uh, the The Rams, the Rams defense was uh, just really, really, really solid this year. And I think uh, with bringing in Matthew Stafford, I mean, I think it makes that offense so much better. You know, I mean, um, I don't know. I don't really know what it was with Jared Goff. I mean, I know he was uh, he was injured some this year, but you know, I mean, uh, he just really hasn't been the same player as he was two or three years ago. Uh, 
Um, and you know, I mean, that could be, they've had some, some different personnel changes. I mean, obviously, I mean, they, they, um, had a rookie running back this year and, um, they all, but they also had Malcolm Brown, but you know, I mean, they, they've got some pretty solid wide receivers. I mean, you got Higby, you've got, um, you've got Robert Woods. I mean, um, I think that they're Cooper cup the mix. And then um, I mean, also like the Buccaneers, and I like you cannot bet on you cannot bet on Mahomes because um, or you can you you definitely have to bet on him because I mean I think like like I said earlier I mean as long as he's the Chiefs quarterback I mean I think they always have a chance. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you there, and and obviously that's the reason why they're the favorite, right? So knowing that Mahomes is going to come back, and and they don't, I don't think they have a ton of free agency issues kind of going into next season as well, which probably kind of helps put them there at the top of the list. But uh, you you were spot on with the teams that you picked, but our our guy uh, Chad Ford as well, he likes the Rams at thirteen to one, and then I'll tell you one that'll get you excited here. He kind of likes value on the Browns at twenty to one there. So I, I've seen that, yeah, um, with the, with the way that they played, the way that they finished the year. I mean, I don't think that they're far away either. I mean, uh, I thought the defense played a lot better. Um, obviously, they have two solid running backs. I mean, uh, you got Cream Hunt and you got um, oh, you got oh the other the other guy, the uh, Nick Georgia Chubb. kid. I I can't think what his name is, but the the thing that they were missing all year long uh, was a go to wide receiver. And you know, I mean, who who knows if um, if Odell Beckham Jr. is going to come back, but you got to think like uh, the way Baker Mayfield, I mean, he had to spread the ball around and there was a couple games like due to COVID where, I mean, they had like the third or fourth string receiver was their number one wide receiver that, that, that week. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that'd be a good bet as well. I mean, uh, who knows what they can do in the draft or uh, if they can, I mean, obviously there's going to be some, some good, uh, free agent wide receivers out there. I mean, uh, and who knows if OBJ comes back or not. No, that's going to be a big question. So if they do get that, you know, what you would consider a true number one wide receiver, and if OBJ comes back and, and has his head right, right? Because I, I, there was, you know, issues even before he did have the big injury, uh, you know, kind of midway there, early part of the season. So so hopefully he comes back and he's motivated. You know, Coach, you know, Kevin Stavansky, he said all the right things, saying, hey, he's our guy. I'm, I'm talking to him on a regular basis. He's rehabbing. He's training hard. He's going to be back better than ever. So we'll see how that one plays out. But, you know, I, I, I'm with you, Butter. I like the Bills at 12 to 1. I think there's good value there. I think they're a team on the ascendancy. You mentioned, you know, what they're they seem to be missing is kind of a stud running back and being able to kind of run the ball whenever they need to. You know, I've seen a lot of mock drafts, you know, at the end of the first round, you know, having them taking a guy like Najee Harris from Alabama. And so if they get a guy like that, I mean that's a game changer. And so, you know, whoever they get uh from a running back perspective, you know, maybe they go out and try to get a guy in free agent. We talked about Leonard Fournette. You know, he he seems to have kind of uh, come back on everybody's radar after really uh, showing out here during the second half of this season and probably made himself a little bit of money. Uh, and then you would expect that they're going to continue to add to that defense as well uh, and get a little little better in that regard. And they're still young. Like I said, I like that team. They're on the ascendancy. But, you know, Butter, we got to talk about our squad, Dallas Cowboys, at 30-1, to 1, my friend. So you're getting a little bit of value there, assuming – we get a deal uh, get a deal worked out with Dak Prescott, right? So, uh, still no news on that. Still doesn't seem to to be imminent uh, from a free agent deal there with Dak Prescott. But uh, if we can get Dak back, 
if we can get healthy, and most importantly, across that offensive line, I, I think that there could be some value on the Cowboys at 30 to 1. Call me crazy, Butter. What do you think? I mean, I, I like the Cowboys at 30 to 1. Um, you know, I mean, if we can, if that stays that way and we get um, Dak uh, Prescott back and can get healthy, you know, I mean, if we're still 30 to 1 before the season starts, I'd probably lay a little bit of money on it. Um, there's two that really, really, um, that I, I really can't, I really don't understand uh, why that they're, why the odds are the way that they are um, with the 49ers and the saints. I think the saints, that's probably too high uh, because you don't know if, um, if Drew Brees is going to come back, obviously if Drew Brees doesn't come back, I mean, I would expect that number to drop. Um, and then with the 49ers, you know, I mean, uh, I think they have issues at quarterback. I mean, who knows if they, obviously, I mean, the, the rumor is, is, uh, Jimmy G is out, but you know, I mean, who knows? Uh, but obviously, you know, I mean, uh, the 49ers, I mean, they had a ton of injuries. I mean, a quarterback, if they can get a solid quarterback play, I mean, that fixes a lot of their, their, uh, mistakes and stuff like that, because, you know, I mean, the injury bug really bit the 49ers this year. And I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't just, uh, Jimmy G getting injured. I mean, they had tons of injuries. I mean, George Kittle was out half the year, uh, Bosa, de- I mean, defensive backs. I mean, just, they had, they had tons and tons of injuries. So, I mean, um, but like I said, I mean, obviously the, the saints, I mean, if Drew Brees doesn't come back, I think that's way, way high on them. <laughs> I agree with you, Butter. And that is an interesting line on the 49ers there at 14 to 1. Again, they're what in the top top seven uh, from an overall odds uh, standpoint as you kind of rank them from 1 to 32. But, you know, maybe, maybe the odds makers are baking in the – you know, assumption that they're going to go out and get a quarterback, right? Maybe if it's not Jimmy G, he's in a trade. Maybe bring in a guy like Deshaun Watson or something, right? I don't know how they would make that work from a salary cap standpoint, but, you know, maybe that's getting baked into the numbers. And I'll say, Butter, three of the top nine teams from a ranking standpoint are in that NFC West. Seahawks at 18 to 1, 49ers at 14 to 1, Rams at 13 to 1. So, again, we've been talking about that NFC West is super tough. And then, you know, all you have the Cardinals down at 40 to 1. The Cardinals, I mean, they, they essentially collapsed at the very end of the season. They should have been in the playoffs, right? So losing that last game and allowing the the Bears to kind of jump ahead of them there as that final seed into the playoffs. But that NFC West, I mean, that that's a stout division. Whoever wins that division, you would anticipate is going to be set up, uh, and they're going to be tested. That that's for sure uh, coming out of that division. But they're going to be set up uh, to to make a playoff run. Uh, that's for sure. And again, we saw the Rams kind of overachieve in that regard as well, right? So they they obviously beat the um, uh, the Seahawks in the wild card round there and uh, weren't able to get over the hump in Green Bay, but uh, probably overachieved uh, given given what uh, we kind of saw with the the quarterback situation there. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean that was probably one of the the best uh, divisions to watch this year as far as competitiveness. You know, I mean, I mean that, that's the thing. I mean, we we sit and joke about the. Uh, the NFC least. I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I want the, the Cowboys to do good, but you know, I mean, um, that division, I mean, the, all, all, most of those teams were in, had, had a chance at the playoffs until the very, very end. And like you said, I mean, the Cardinals, I mean, that they collapsed, but I mean, um, they're one of those teams that, that probably should have been in the playoffs. They, I mean, uh, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And so they, they need a little bit of help on defense. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And they need, need to be able to protect Kyler Murray back there. But if they, they can add a couple pieces, you know, look out for them. The next year might be their year from a playoff standpoint. Again, the odds don't factor that in at 40 to 1. Uh, Vegas isn't necessarily expecting him to win the Super Bowl, and I don't know if anybody's expecting him to win the Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, we go down to the bottom of the list, Butter. Texans, Jets, Lions, all at 100 to 1. Again, uh, probably no no surprise there. Bengals at 80 to 1. You know, you get a guy like Joe Burrow back, Butter, and he's super healthy. I mean, the Bengals might be able to surprise you. There might be some value there. You get the Giants and the Jaguars at 75 to 1 each, where the anticipation is that the Jags are going to take Trevor Lawrence number one overall uh, in the draft at the end of April. The Giants is a team that had a lot of injuries as well, right? So they're going to get Saquon Barkley back. Uh, you you assume that that's going to be ca- be the case um, uh, in uh, September of next uh, or September of this year, I guess. But uh, whenever the uh, uh, 2021 season kicks off, so. They should be a little bit better as well. But, uh, you know, who do you like down there at the bottom from a long shot standpoint? But, again, not necessarily to win the Super Bowl, but maybe kind of overachieve and let's say maybe make the playoffs. Man, uh, I really, really like the Falcons, really. Um, you know, I mean, that that was kind of the team that, that, that you really liked this year, you know. I mean, yeah, I was um, wrong, but <laughs> if they can keep um, – I mean, obviously, I don't think Matt Ryan's going anywhere. Um, I mean, I, I, I haven't heard that he's going anywhere anyway. But, I mean, you, you got Matt Ryan. You've got Julio Jones. Uh, you got Calvin Ridley. I mean, you've definitely got um, – and you got uh, Todd Gurley. Who, I mean, which who knows if he's going to be back. But, I mean, obviously, you got some big-name players. Um, they're one of those teams that I think that, that underachieved this year. I mean, uh, just because of – who they have on the roster. Um, and then, you know, I mean, with as competitive as Washington was um, this year, I mean, and making uh, making the playoffs, you know, I mean, um, if they can get their quarterback uh, play fixed, which, I mean, if, if obviously, I mean, I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith as a quarterback. Um, and you know, I mean, uh, it's one of those things, but they do have a really good defense and they do have some really, really good young players. So, I mean, if they could figure out quarterback, they could, uh, they could probably, uh, compete definitely for a playoff spot again. Uh, and then it's one of those things, who knows what's going to happen in the NFC East. I mean, <laughs> It can't be any worse than what it was this year, right? That that has to be the thought. But no, you you, you took my team, and essentially that's that's exactly what I was thinking, Butter. Is that if Washington can get a quarterback in there, uh, and again, Alex Smith was a great story coming back from that awful, awful broken leg from a couple years ago, and and he was you know he filled in admirably. But I'm with you; he's not the quarterback of the future. You know, wouldn't shock me if he ends up you know just hanging it up altogether. He kind of overcoming uh, that injury and being able to step back on the field and, and play in a meaningful way. I, I think hell is a of vic- a story, yeah, though. Hell yeah, of a story. Yeah, victory in and of itself there for sure but I think if Washington can go out and make a move get a quarterback and then maybe bring in a couple more weapons on offense man that defense is legit butter and that front four that they've got I mean you know you think about obviously led by Chase Young 
I mean, they're they're really, really good. And we just saw what a dominant front four can do against one of the top, if not the best offense in the NFL. We just saw it Sunday night uh, in, in the Super Bowl, right? That that Bucks front four absolutely dominated the game, and that was really the story of the game. And so if you've got a dominant pass rush and you can get after the quarterback with just four guys and drop seven back into coverage, I mean, you can win a lot of football games that way. So I don't, I don't think Washington – is as far away as those 60 to one odds would seem to indicate uh, from the Vegas sports books out there. Yeah, I would say that they probably they're honestly, I mean, I'm surprised they're not, they're not in the middle of the pack really. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that they're, I mean, that might, that might actually be the bet. I mean, <laughs> Well, I, I think I would bet on them more or above the the Eagles at fifty to one. I'd bet on them above the Bears at fifty to one. I think I'd bet on them above the Raiders at forty to one. You think about a team, uh, you know, maybe in that ballpark along with the the Cowboys, Chargers, Cardinals, right? Maybe thirty to forty to one might be uh, uh, maybe more indicative of where they're going to finish whenever it's all said and done. And again, these are odds to win the Super Bowl, right? So it's not necessarily you know where the teams are going to finish whenever it's all said and done. So, but I, I'm with you. I think there's a little bit of value there uh, on why. Washington. Well, Butter, you know, we're, we're coming up against the hour mark here, bud. So, again, kind of bittersweet, the, the last podcast of a football season. Uh, as always, again, the longest period of time before we're going to have football again. So, we'll get into our off-season schedule here, uh, just like we did with college football and uh, the CFF Commissioner's Corner podcast last month. And we'll probably start alternating, right? So, we'll do, you know, one week we'll do fantasy professionals and kind of take a look at the NFL news. The next week we'll do CFF and kind of have an alternating every other week uh, schedule uh, for our podcast list out there but hey there's a lot of moves a lot of dynasty leagues that are out there butter a lot of guys that are going to be evaluating trade proposals leading up to the nfl draft in april and so for our listeners out there my friend how can they get at you if they need to seek some fantasy professional advice how can they get at you on twitter bud i'm on twitter at jeremy underscore van Kieran or aka the fantasy professional and that is j-e-r-e-m-y underscore v-a-n-c-u-r-e-n Absolutely, brother. Well, again, I appreciate you riding shotgun with me again over the interweb, over Zooms here. So, again, not the same sound quality as what we have in studio, but uh, we're going to work through it, ladies and gentlemen. And, again, uh, hoping that the weather kind of subsides and we kind of get back to normal next week, bud, because, man, it has been cold, and it's going to be cold over the weekend here uh, in Oklahoma. So so stay stay warm uh, on your end, my friend, to be safe out there on the roads. And same goes to all of our listeners out there uh, as well. Be careful. Kind of stay in if you can help it. uh, And if you absolutely have to get out on the roads, Uh, Be safe, drive slow, and kind of keep your head on a swivel uh, in that regard. So, well, while this will wrap it up for this episode, ladies and gentlemen, remember that the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. 